0: The 31st, 2002, I had the second most important encounter as far as life changing encounter that I've ever had with the Lord. And He basically spoke to me about how I was limiting what He could do in my life. And I'm going to be talking about that this week. But I got to thinking about that and thinking about what has happened in 10 years. And I was just overwhelmed. If somebody would have told me 10 years ago when I began this process where we'd be today, it wouldn't have shocked me because this is what I was believing for, but I would have certainly been blessed because we have seen phenomenal things happen. Matter of fact, I got a call from our media buyer in December and uh, I don't know exactly how much uh, media time he buys. I know he, he buys a bunch for us. But altogether, he buys over $60 million worth of uh, television airtime for some of the leading ministries in this nation. And he's been doing this for decades. And he called just to say that he had never seen anything like this. There's maybe one other ministry in the last 30 years that he had seen things happen similar to what he sees happening in our ministry. And he was just calling to say he was so blessed and encourage me, and um, so I say all of that to say that I was just overwhelmed because when I started teaching on this ten years ago, I was believing for that this was significant. I told people that this is the second most important encounter I've ever personally had with the Lord, and I taught on it ten years ago. But now it's ten years later. And looking back, it's no longer just this is what I'm believing for. I'm going to share with you about some things that God has done in my life that changed me personally, changed what He called me to do personally. And I believe that this is going to translate directly to every one of you. So I am very excited about this because I know that there is nothing special about me or anything. It's just when God speaks to you, if you will follow Him, Uh, He is no respecter of persons. God is wanting to do absolutely miraculous things in every single person's life in this auditorium. God never made a dud. God has never made a piece of junk. Whether your parents saw you coming or not, God knew you from the foundation of the world. And He has a purpose for your life and most of us are hitting way below God's standard. That is my testimony and this is what I'm gonna be telling you about, about how I limited God and uh, how He told me to change that and the results that it's produced. And I believe it's true for every person in here. I really believe that if you don't wake up in the morning just excited thrilled thinking, God, this is the most awesome thing. I am just so blessed. Then you haven't really found God's purpose, or if you found God's purpose, you aren't fulfilling it. There are things that we can do that hinder and limit what God does in our life. And this whole seminar this week is going to be about how to take those limits off of God. I had my son that's with us. He asked me about what I was going to be ministering on. And I told him, I'm going to talk about don't limit God, which is a teaching I've had out for over 10 years. And I'm going to call this don't limit God times 10. (laughs) And you can take that as either this is, I'm going to emphasize it 10 times stronger than I did or, you know, plus 10 years or whatever. And he said, that's a terrible title. You need somebody to help you title your stuff. (laughs) So I've been thinking about it today. You could call this how to have a dynamic decade or um, I don't know. You can put whatever title. But this is what I'm going to be talking about is about how we place limits on what God wants to do in our life. And let me just say a couple of introductory things about this before I get right into it because a lot of people's theology will not accept what I'm beginning to say right here. Because people just think, now wait a minute, God is in control and everything that happens, in, that happens in my life, God controls it. Even if it's the devil, the devil has to go to get God's permission before he can do anything. So basically people blame God for everything and they have this fatalistic theology that everything that's happening somehow or another must be God's will. So if your marriage fails... Maybe this was God's way of breaking you and humbling you. If your business fails, if you are the lowest person in your business, maybe this is just God's purpose and plan for your life. You know, when I went to India in 1980, I went over there and it was a total culture shock for me when I got there. But uh, I learned a lot of things. And one of the things that I learned is that India is really a very rich country. It's one of the most populous countries on the face of the earth and they have all kinds of natural resources and people, I saw people starving to death with meat walking through their house. I was in one house holding a Bible study and a Brahma bull walked in and everybody just got against the wall and let this Brahma bull do whatever he wanted to do because of the Hindu belief that that could be somebody's grandmom reincarnated and they were, they wouldn't eat meat. They will eat certain types of meat like dog or something, you know, that's a low form. Those people reincarnated deserve it. And so they'll kill that and eat it, but they won't eat, they won't eat beef. They won't eat this other. And I saw that they had resources, but their belief system A fatalistic thing about I was born into this caste system. And if I do anything to get myself out of this caste system and improve my well-being, then I might be reincarnated as an ant because I didn't fulfill my deal. And it was their belief system that really has made that nation impoverished. And did you know, as this belief system is changing, as the modern world is coming into India, you're seeing a lot of these values and stuff change and India is improving and stuff. And it was a theology that keeps them in bondage. We just had a situation in Uganda where uh, we had our director of our Bible college die over there. And because of that, we had to go over. Wendell made a special trip and We've had to do some things and and it is amazing some of the problems we've had to deal with and it's because of a culture and we learn some things that a lot of Americans go into these countries and they want to throw money at these problems thinking that that's going to solve it. Money is not the problem in Uganda, in India, in any place in the earth. It's a belief system that impoverishes these people. Uganda is one of the most natural resource country in the whole world. They can grow crops three times a year and harvest. The country is lush. It's got huge natural resources. They've just found great oil reserves over there and stuff. But it is the mindset of those people and the corruption and the bribery that... They put lots of money into roads, but by the time it goes through all the government officials, very little of it gets to the roads. And so because of it, they got terrible things and it is their mindset. It's their belief system. And by just throwing money at the situation is not going to solve anything. Those people need the gospel and they need a set of principles and a moral code that will cause them to start doing and treating each other right and their countries will prosper. None of you, I'm not going to get off the subject here, but I'll just throw this out. You either, <laughs> you either accept this or, or miss a great opportunity. <laughs> but there's none of you that it's the fact that this government hasn't given you more welfare or they need to increase your payment or your benefits or give you more guaranteed health insurance or this or that. That is not your problem. Your problem is right between your ears. It's the way you think and believe. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life is going the way of your thoughts. And if you want to change, don't pray that somebody will just give you more money and have more pity on you and that everybody else will do this and everybody else will take money from somebody who's got it and give it to me who doesn't have it. That's not your answer. Your answer is to start taking these limits off the wrong thinking because as you think in your heart, that's the way that your life is. That's tight, but it's right. It's what the Bible says. And you need to change yourself. And so anyway, it's not all of these other things. It's, our, it's the way we think that limits God. And one of the things that limits God is this fatalistic impression or belief system that's taught in religion that, well, it must be God's will. I'm just, there's nothing special about me. Did you know I spend millions of dollars a month on television airtime and we're gonna increase it takes around $4 million a month to saturate the United States alone. And we are increasing and I'm gonna spend more, but it doesn't matter if I spent $10 million a month. Did you know that there's people that you know and that are watching you and you have influence on them that'll never hear of me? I don't care how much money I pour into it. I don't care what I do. You are influ- You have a sphere of influence over people that I'll never have. You could take every pastor in this valley of the sun and have every one of them do everything that they can. And every one of you have people that you will reach, family members, people that you do business with, neighbors, your work associates, all kinds of people that you will influence that we will never be able to influence. And if you go around thinking I'm nobody special, And you're just waiting on the pastor to do the job. And if you don't rise up and reach your full potential and accomplish what God called you to do, there's going to be people that will die and go to hell or there will be people who are already born again but don't have a full witness, don't see somebody walking in the power of God. And unless you rise up and reach your potential, there's going to be people that miss the miracles that God wants to do through you. There's not a single person in here that has no leadership. I teach a course in our Bible college on leadership. And the very first thing I ask is, how many of you are called to be leaders? And did you know that usually about 90% of the hands will go up, but there's always people that I'll say, how many of you don't think that you're a leader? And there's always people that raise their hand. And then I define what leadership is. Leadership is just influence. And every one of you have influence. If it's nothing over your kids over somebody in your family, over your neighbors, over somebody. That's all leadership is, is influence. Some of us have more influence than others, but every one of you were called to influence somebody. And if you don't see yourself as a leader and see yourself as God's got a purpose for my life and he's got something for me. And if you're just, well, whatever will be, will be. And you just go through life like a pinball just bouncing from problem to problem and whatever you run into, you just deflect. You don't have any course for your life. You don't ever command the mountains to move. You don't ever do anything. I guarantee you, you are limiting God with that kind of an attitude. Let me start with this verse that the Lord used to change my life over here in Psalms chapter 78 and in verse 41. I wish to had time to go into the whole chapter. This is powerful, but it's he talks about, he's in the first part of the chapter, he's speaking a parable. And the purpose of this is so that the younger generation will hear what God has done in previous generations so that they will learn not to limit God, that they will learn not to grieve God as their parents did. It's really powerful. You ought to read the whole Psalm. But in Psalms chapter 78, verse 41, the Lord spoke this to me on January the 31st, 2002. And this revolutionized my life. It's the second most important thing encounter that I've ever had with the Lord. And it says this in verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's a very simple passage, but boy, God spoke that to me. I'm praying that God will speak this to you because I believe that every one of us limits God. There's not a person in here that has just exhausted God's ability and resources and power for your life. God is infinite. God is huge. God is big. And I tell you what, your life ought to be a reflection of that. If you can look at your life and say, well, I went to school, I was educated, I did all of these things, I earned this. If you can look at your life and explain it away by your great talents and ability, you missed God. God will call you to do something that is beyond yourself. He'll call you to do something that is bigger than yourself. If it's something that you can do, I doubt that you've heard from God. For instance, God called me to preach the Word and I was an introvert. I couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to them in high school. And now I preach to millions and millions of people. He called me to do something that what I'm doing is absolute beyond myself. This is not my ability. God has had me do things that there's just no human explanation for it. I was talking to Pastor Tom today and we were talking about why are the blessings of God so big on us? And I said, I hadn't got an answer. I said, I'm not doing anything except just loving Jesus and holding on to Jesus. I can't point to our ministry and say, oh man, it's my great talent. It's like Charlie and Jill were saying that they heard that awesome music and then they heard me. (laughs) You know what? If I was God, I wouldn't have chosen me. But it says, God looks for the foolish things of the world and base things of the world and things that are despised and things that are nothing to bring to naught things that are. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26. I said, man, that's me. I qualify. (laughs) You know what? There is nothing. I did. I am not doing what God is doing through me. You cannot point to me and say, it's my great ability. You know, my mother died in 2009 and right before she died, she died in uh, the end of May, 2009. She was 96 years old. And I was visiting with her and she was just so thrilled. She was asking me, would you tell me again about all that God's doing in the ministry? And I'd tell her and I was telling her about overseas and all the great things that were happening. And she looked at me and she pointed her little bony finger at me and she said, Andy, you know that's God. And I said, yes, ma'am, I know it's God. And she said, you aren't smart enough to do that. (laughs) I said, guilty. amen. it's true. I'm just saying that there's many of you that you can look at your life and everything you got, you got it by your strength and your power. And I'm telling you, if that's the way that you look at your life, you have not tapped into God's will for your life yet because God is gonna ask you to do something bigger than yourself. Pastor Darian Karen Jolly down here, I'm going to have them share in the morning about some of the things that they're doing. But man, how many years ago was it? 15 years ago, they were ministering in Nicaragua and Mexico. And But I mean, they were flipping burgers and... Uh, barbecuing chicken and doing everything. They'd do anything for a buck to be able to finance their thing. And then, I mean, God just unleashed them. And now they are reaching thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. And it's not them. It's not their ability. It's, It's just the supernatural power of God. Your life ought to be such a testimony that when people say, how do you do this? How do these things happen in your life? You ought to just be able to say, There is no explanation outside of God. If you can point to your great education and your charisma and all of your ability and you've done these things, you've missed God. I know some of you are thinking, now this is uncomfortable. And you're making it sound like I missed God. I believe all of us are missing God. You know, even though I've taken the limits off of God, I don't think that this 10 years ago is the last time God is gonna tell me that I've limited him. He is limitless. He is infinite. He created all of this. And I don't think that there's a one of us that's hitting on every single cylinder. There's not a one of us that's doing everything and believing him. God is just big and he's wanting us to believe for big things. And most of us are believing for small things. And so the Lord spoke this to me and said that just like the Israelites turned back in their heart and they limited the Holy One of Israel, Some of the things that I'm beginning to say, some of you are gonna say, I just, I believe that God is sovereign and whatever he wills comes to pass. Well, then you might just have to tear this out of your Bible because this says they limited God. God wanted to do more than what they would let him do. God wanted to bring them into the promised land and he wanted to do it after one year He sent them to Mount Sinai. He had Moses go through all of this, getting the law and all of these things. But within one year, he brought them to the promised land and told them to go in and possess it. And they sent spies out. They said that there are giants in the land. We can't do it. And they refused to go and they stopped God's will for that nation from coming to pass right then. It eventually came to pass, but they delayed it for 40 years. And I, I don't know, you don't have to go very far. I could give you a hundred of examples of this in the Bible, but you don't have to go beyond the children of Israel to see that you can limit God. God did not want them to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Let me just say this in the name of the Lord. God is not wanting you sick. And yet you limit God in how he can heal you and how he can prosper you. Moses, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, I believe it is, it says that his natural force was not abated nor his eyesight dim. He was 120 years old and he was still strong at 120 and his eyesight was perfect. If God will do that for a person under the old covenant, he will do even more for a person under the new covenant. But we limit God. And we think, oh, but I'm over 40. And this is just normal. You're, you're supposed to start having aches and pains and you're supposed to start having your eyesight go dim and you're supposed to start doing this and that. You know what that does? That limits God. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, seven. And if you look around and use the average or what's going on in our world today and say, well, this is the way it's supposed to go. Instead of going by the word, a man who had an inferior covenant lived to be 120 years old and was still perfect eyesight and still strong. Then you limit God by thinking that way. You stop God. It says over in Deuteronomy chapter seven, I forget the exact verse. I think it's verse 17. Let me just turn over and read this because this is a very important verse. Deuteronomy chapter seven. And in verse 17, he was talking about how you're gonna go into the promised land and I'm gonna... Deliver all of these nations up in front of you. Not a single person will be able to stand before you. He guaranteed them success. And then he said this. If thou say in thine heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? And then the next verse says, thou shalt not be afraid of them. You know, when I I used to read this for years thinking that if you say in your heart, these nations are mightier than I, how can I dispossess them? That's what I was saying. But you know, if you read it that way, then this is, it leaves it hanging. There's no answer. There was no conclusion to this. And one day I was reading this and what he's saying is, he's telling the Israelites, if you say in your heart, these nations are mightier than I, then God says, how can I dispossess them? You can limit God. God says, I promise you absolute victory unless you waver and begin to say these nations are mightier than I, then God says, I can't drive them out. It says over in uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, and most people just put a period there, and say God's able, and they talk about how God is able and His capabilities. And they missed the point. That verse does not say that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, period. It says now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The word according to means in proportion to or to the degree of the power that is working in us. If you don't have faith and if you aren't building yourself up, you limit the power of God flowing through you. You can stop it. If you aren't healed, it's not God who's not healed you. It's you that doesn't have the power working on the inside of you and releasing the power of God. God has to flow through people. People will say that God just sovereignly moved. This was a sovereign move of God. And what they mean by that is that no person had anything to do with this. God just sovereignly reached down and did something. That is not scriptural. God always uses a person. God flows through people. If you look hard enough, somebody was praying, somebody was believing, somebody was doing something, God flows through people. It's not God that moves in waves. People will talk about that there was the healing revival and the waves, and then there was the charismatic move, and then there was the word of faith move, and they blame God as if God, who's the one who comes in waves and pours something out and then retreats and lets a generation just languish. That's not the way that God is. God is wanting every single person to walk in his fullness. God isn't the one who comes in waves and moves and things like that. God doesn't do that. Now, those things happen, but not because God wills it. It's because that's the way that we receive. For instance, in the healing revival, the church had lost the truth of healing. And then there were some people like Oral Roberts And other people who just pressed in and they sought God. And if you read their testimonies, I've talked to Oral Roberts and I've read some of his books. Oral Roberts, it didn't come upon him. He pursued it. I remember Oral Roberts talking about his very first meeting he held. And he was so sick and tired of seeing the powerlessness in the body of Christ and the lack of healing that he just said, I'm not gonna live this way. He says, either the word is true and God does miracles today, or I'm gonna quit serving God and quit playing the game of being a pastor. And so he went out and rented a building. He had three things that he asked God. He, I forget exactly, I may miss some of this, but he asked for an exact number of people. And before the service started, he stood behind the curtain and counted and they had exactly the number of people that he asked for He said, I have to have exactly this much money to cover the expenses of this meeting. I'm not gonna go in debt. If you can't pay for this, I'm not gonna pay for it. And so he took up an offering and before he got up and preached, he had them count the offering. And if I'm not mistaken, he had $3 more than the exact amount he had put down. And then the third thing, he says, I want to see a notable miracle. So he got up and preached a message and went down and prayed for a woman. And I forget exactly what the healing was, but it was totally miraculous. And it meant those three criteria. But see, he had to fight through unbelief in things. And then when that happened, he caught on fire and other people, Branham and others, they began to preach it. And there was the healing movement. And people say, God moved in this great healing movement. God's wanting to move in healings all of the time, but most people won't pursue it the way that those people did. And they, they broke through in this area of healing and started seeing the healing power of God come, but then they didn't break through in some other areas. And it wasn't God who only poured out healing. It was people who just, it's like there was this... Um, veil and they just penetrated it in that area and let this power of God come through. God would have poured out the word movement and the righteousness movement and the charismatic movement and the baptism of the Holy. He'll pour it all out at one time if we had received it that way. But just every once in a while, somebody gets sick and tired of being sick and tired and starts believing God and then the power of God gets poured out in that area and they say, oh, God's doing a new thing. No, God's doing the same thing he's wanted to do for 2,000 years. It's not God that had the church go through the dark ages. That was the body of Christ that perished for a lack of knowledge, not knowing what the word of God says. So again, I'm saying... That God wants to move. He wants to bring you into your promised land. God is wanting to do things in your life that makes you wake up every morning just thinking, God, this is absolutely awesome. You are awesome. What a privilege to be a part of what you're doing. That's the way He wants you to live. And yet, most people wake up and think, oh man, it's morning. <laughs> I wished I could go back to bed. Oh, it's Monday and I've got to go to work or you'll come in and say, oh, TGIF." <laughs> I was walking through our break room one day and I heard one of our employees go, he was a young guy, about 20 years old, and he came in and he says, T-G-I-F. And I said, what does that mean? And he says, thank God it's Friday. And I said, what's so good about Friday? And he says, well, it's the last day of the work week. I'm off tomorrow. He says, I don't have to go to work. And I said, do you not like working here? I said, I could fix it that you don't have to work here. And he said, oh no, I like working here, but I just really enjoy my weekend. I said, you know what? There's a hundred people that would like your job. And I said, if you don't like working here, I could just fix it so that you, every day could be Friday for you. (laughs) Boy, he started backpedaling and he didn't mean anything by it. But you know what? I just think, If you're the kind that gets up and oh, it's Monday and I've got to go back to work and then you get excited on Friday because you don't have to work, you hadn't found God's will for your life. I know some of you think, oh brother, this is a little abnormal. That's one of the ways you limit God. You are working some dead end job and you're doing it because I've got to have this pension and I've got to have job security. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. And every day, time is clicking by. And if you haven't done something that just winds you up, fulfills you, makes you feel like, man, what a blessing of God in my life, then you have burned a day off of your life. You've wasted a day. God's got a purpose for you. And when you find it, God didn't call every one of us to be like what, doing what I'm doing, being on television or standing in front of people. But God called every one of you for something special that will make your life just full of joy and peace. And if you aren't there, you are wasting time. It will be fulfilling. Some of you are praying and you, I just don't understand why I'm depressed. You should be depressed. <laughs> You aren't doing what God called you to do. And there is no joy when God's pulling you this direction and you're going this way because this is what everybody in my family's done for generations. And if I was to just turn it over to God, he might send me to Africa. And so I'm, I'm not going to turn it all over to God. I'm taking this way. This is my logic. And I guarantee you, you aren't going to find joy and fulfillment. You know, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina a few years back and a man always has me come minister to his uh, staff. He's got a business with about 30 employees. And anyway, I went back and spoke to the uh, employees and I've done it for many, many years. And I came out and there was a new girl at the reception desk. She was an oriental lady. And when I saw her, I said, you weren't back with the other employees. And she says, no, I'm the new person. And they wanted me to answer the phones while everybody else was back there. She says, are you the one that spoke? And I said, yes. And she says, what do you do? And I said, I'm a minister. And she says, for who? (laughs) And I said, well, for the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) And she says, you're the one. And I said, the one what? And she was, a, I, I think, I'm not sure, is either Buddhist or Hindu, one of those religions. And she said that the previous night she was going through all of her rituals and she knew that there was a God, but she just didn't believe that Buddha or you know, whoever it was, was the true God. And she just stopped in the middle of her ritual and she says, God, I know you exist, but there's got to be more to you than this. And she says, would you reveal yourself to me and let me know who the true God is? And she just prayed that prayer. And she says, all of a sudden, there was this ball of light in front of her just pulsating. And she knew that she was in the presence of God. And she had a voice come to her and says, tomorrow, I'll send you a man who tells you who I am. And then she looked at me and she says, you're the one. And I said, I am the one. Amen. And I got to lead that woman to the Lord and she got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And I tell you what, when I walked out of there and got in that car, you talk about a sense of satisfaction and joy like God, I was in the right place at the right time. And there was such a peace and a joy and a satisfaction knowing that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Some of you don't have that because you aren't where you're supposed to be, because you're taking the safe route. You're shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. <laughs> You've been taught that I've just got to be logical and I've got to do things, you know, according to the way everybody else in your family's done it or whatever. And you're limiting God by that. I'm telling you, God made every one of you in here to be a leader. Now, again, that can vary according to the specific call. But if you've got God in your life, if you have God Almighty living on the inside of you, he's got a purpose for your life that is going to cause you to accomplish things and influence people in a way that it will spread and touch people's lives. And there are many of you in here that you aren't influencing people for a positive. Your life's not accomplishing anything. And I'm not saying this to be a downer to you or to be a discouragement, but I'm saying that is not God. If you're born again, God's living on the inside of you. He's got something important for you to do. And many people are just missing it. And so I've said all of this to say... That God doesn't just sovereignly make things work. If your life isn't an absolute joy and if you aren't excited about it and have enthusiasm about it and where you're going and what God is doing, you've missed God. You're limiting God. And you may not even know that you're doing it. You know, this is one of the very first things that happened when the Lord spoke this to me 10 years ago. I honestly had no idea I was limiting God. And this, 10 years ago, this would have been uh, 34 years after God touched my life, and I had been serving God. I had seen three people raised from the dead, including my own son, the son that's with us here at these meetings, was dead for five hours and came back from the dead. No brain damage, no more than he had before. I'd seen people raised from the dead. I'd seen blind eyes open. I'd seen miracles happen. Our ministry had just doubled. January the 3rd of 2000 is when I started our television ministry. And from January the 3rd of 2000 until January of 2002, our ministry doubled. I even had a man come to me in the summer of 2001 and prophesy. And he says, God is about to increase your ministry. You're going to take off and you're going to see a phenomenal growth. And he was a friend of mine. So I didn't say anything to him. But when I went home, I thought, boy, he missed it. He's about a year and a half late. If he would have prophesied that to me in 99, then that would have been right. But you just missed it. You don't know how much we've grown. And within a few months, God spoke to me about how I was limiting him. And I had no clue. I honestly thought I was believing big. And you know, part of that comes, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Let me just turn over to so make sure that I don't misquote this. Second Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or uh, compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You know, this is so clear in scripture that you should not measure yourself by other people. And yet brothers and sisters, I bet you every person sitting in this room limits God by comparing yourself with other people. I've already used some of those examples, but many of you have grown up and instead of the Word of God controlling and dominating your thought, you look at your parents, you look at your grandparents, you watch television, you hear that, you know what, if you're over 40, that this is, your increase of this has happened and this has happened and you go to expecting because this is what the people that don't know God are experiencing and we just take it as, well, this is the way that it is. And it's not unusual. I expect to start getting stoved up by the time I'm 50 or 60 and I can't do... And you know what? You start limiting God by comparing yourselves among yourselves. You look around and because there's a quote unquote recession on, you expect to have problems. And you know what? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In Colorado Springs, I don't know the exact number, but there's hundreds of parachurch ministries... And when this quote-unquote recession happened in 2008, the ministries, many of them, we have access to knowing people on the board or knowing the leaders of these ministries. And the vast majority of them decreased their budget, their projections for what the income, the revenue, by 15 to 25% before a single decrease in revenue happened. They were anticipating it because the world was having problems. So they went to anticipating problems and believing for it and planning for it. And guess what? It came to pass. But during that exact same time, did you know that our finances have just flourished? We're in a $47 million building program that we're gonna do debt free and we are well on our way to having it all paid for debt free. Our income is just going up like a rocket during a time of recession because you know what? We just decided not to participate. (laughs) God said he'd supply our need according to his riches and glory. You do not have to have your finances dictated to by the world. Jamie and I have a little bit of money. Her father died and we got an inheritance and we put it uh, with a friend of ours and invested it in the stock market. Did you know when the stock market went down 50% at the end of 2008, in the beginning of 2009, we increased that money in the stock market 61% increase during a 50% downturn. Some of you are saying, Who, who's your investor? You've, you've missed my point. Matter of fact, our investor even called us in and talked to us and he says, all of my clients are doing good, but he says, you're... Investments, and it's the exact same guy, and he says, I'm doing the same thing with everybody, and your investments are outpacing everybody else's. And the investor can't understand why we're prospering. I know some of you, you're just, I'm saying this in love, but you're too carnal to believe that that's true. You think, no, everything, there's a natural reason, there's something. No, it's the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. It's because we're believing God. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And because of it, we're bucking the trend. And I'm telling you that some of you don't believe that. And you're saying, no, that's a bad economy. And I've got to cut back and I can't expect to prosper. That's limiting what God can do in your life. There's some of you that cut back your giving because you anticipated having a problem. So you cut back on your giving. That's the worst thing you should have done. You should have cut back on your debt or cut back on your spending, but not your giving. Man, you need to increase your giving. But you know what? That, most people don't think that way. And because of it, it limits what God can do. Hosea chapter four, verse six says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so, with me, two, 10 years ago, I thought I was really believing God. And compared to where I had been and compared to other people, you know what? I was doing good compared. But it's not wise to compare yourself with other people. God's got a purpose for your life. And it doesn't matter if everybody else in your family has always been a loser. That doesn't dictate what's going to happen to you unless you believe that it's in your genes to be a loser. It doesn't matter if everybody else is suffering in the economy. That doesn't mean that you have to suffer unless you believe that it, you have to suffer and then that will limit God. Comparing yourself among yourself, measuring yourself by the world is the wrong measurement. You know, I try not to watch a lot of TV and... Most of the news that I get is on the radio because it comes in two minute bites and you can't do a lot of damage in two minutes. But even listening to the news on the radio in two minutes, they still say a lot of junk. And one of the things they'll come out and say, it's flu season. Has everybody gotten your flu shot? Did you know that there is a new strand of flu? And they'll go to say, and and most people will let what's happening in the world affect them and think, well, I'm only human. If you think that way, you're going to get the flu. But if you think that, you know what? No plague will come nigh my dwelling based on Psalms chapter 91. That there is no season where the Word of God doesn't work. And praise God, I'm going to walk in supernatural hell. If you would go to think that way, it would change things. But most of us listen to the sewage of this world come through and we hear what the world is experiencing and you go to expecting to get, after all, I'm only human. Well, I'm not only human. One third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. One third of me is saved. And I should not be getting the same stuff that the world is getting. You shouldn't be comparing yourself to this world. You shouldn't be looking at these things. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying this politely, but it's just ignorance. It's stupid. Amen? For those of you that are too insecure to accept that, it's your lack of knowledge that's the problem. That's the politically correct way to say it, but in Texas, it's just you, you're stupid. How dumb can you get and still breathe? My dad died when he was 54, and he actually died 12 years before that and was raised from the dead. So he actually died when he was 42 and he was invalid my entire life. Never was able to throw a ball or do anything. And uh, he died when he was 54 years old, when I was 12 years old. And did you know, because of that, they say that it's hereditary to have heart problems. That's what he died of and hardening of the arteries, high blood pressure and all of these kind of things. And they, they speak that over people. You know, one of the very first things I did was cancel that curse and pray and broke the curse. And I don't care what happened to my dad, it's not going to happen to me. My mother lived to be 96 years old and was strong as a horse until 94. And why don't they ever talk about that? They'll never say, well, those good genes from your mother are going to help you. No, it's all, they'll look at the worst case scenario and pronounce the worst possible thing over you. And most people will sit there and live their entire life as well. My dad had heart problems. And so I guess I'll have, and you know what? That limits the healing that God wants in your body because you're comparing yourself with your parents. You're comparing yourself with other people and it limits God. Ignorance limits God. Most people do not let the Word of God get in the way of what they believe. (laughs) This is the way it's been in my family, and we've always had this. You need to change the way you believe. You know, I'm not trying to meddle or pry with anybody, but I'm just trying to make this practical that this isn't something that's just for me as a minister. Every one of us do this in so many subtle ways we don't even recognize it. But you know, there's a lot of you ladies that have just been taught that two to six days a month, you're just, are justified in acting like the devil. God didn't make you to be that way. You've... you've You've taken some standard and bought into it, and if you believe that that's the way it has to be, Satan will accommodate you. Jamie used to have problems. She believed God when she was a young girl, and got over all that kind of stuff. She went through menopause, and she did not fall apart like a two dollar suitcase and have to take hormone replacements and do all of this stuff. And she walked supernaturally through it. And yet, many, oh, this is the way it's got to be. Says who? I've even got a doctor friend that said this, what do they call it, PMS? (laughs) Is actually less than 6% of women, but he says up to 50% of women claim it. (laughs) If every time I had a tendency of the flesh, if I just said, well, man, it's my time of the month and so I'm justified and you know what? (laughs) I'm just saying that, you know, uh, we've bought into this. We've just been trained in the natural way and people accept living at a low standard that you got to get sick every year. You got to have the flu. You've got to have headaches. You've got to have this. You can't go. You can't live 60 years without having any pains. I don't have a pain in my body. I'm 62, nearly 63. I don't have a pain. I've been sick one time in 40 something years and that was through stupidity. That's because I ministered 41 times one week and 42 times the next week and I got so tired I had to literally crawl into bed and I waited one day and stayed in bed one day trying to recuperate and then went out and split a cord of wood and it was too much too quick and I got sick. And that was just stupid. You can chalk that up to stupidity. Amen. But that's the only time I've been sick. I just don't believe in getting sick. I don't take sickness. Some of you, you can't live that way. Well, don't wake me up because that's the way I'm living. Somebody, you can't do that. Well, see, that limits what God does in your life when you expect sickness, when you expect these things. You're comparing yourself among yourself. And not only is this true in your health and in your finances and in the things that are happening in this world, but you know, it's true in the spiritual realm. Most of us, aren't truly seeking God and in close relationship with God and listening to what God's telling us, but we're looking around and we have to wait until somebody rises up and starts believing for healing and see a miraculous healing. And then all of a sudden we get inspired that maybe there could be more, but we, we basically just look around and well, most people don't see everything come to pass. So I guess it's normal for me not to see total victory. And we limit God by the way we think. Ten years ago, I thought, and I was believing God, and I was believing God more than I had in the past and compared to everybody else. This is right after September the 11th, 2001. And did you know that the typical ministry, I could name names and give you specifics. I won't do that. But most ministries decreased anywhere from 25 to 35, 40% decrease after September the 11th, because everybody's attention was on that. And they quit watching the television, listening to the radio, and they were listening, trying to figure out what was going on. And they were giving to uh, red cross and other things. And so anyway, most ministries, I mean, major ministries went on the verge of going under. Did you know that September the 11th, our income has just doubled and tripled and and increased, and we, it was right after September the 11th and we were still increasing. We were setting record income months. It's not like I wasn't believing God. I don't want you to think that you have to be an absolute zero for this message to apply to you. You could be doing better than the average person, but does that, have you just lived up to the average and do a little bit better and then that soothes your conscience? Or are you going to God and saying, God, Am I comparing myself among myself? Am I limiting you by just wanting to be kind of like everybody else? You ought to go to the word of God and find out what God's word says. And I guarantee you, God's word will make you far, far, far above and not beneath. You talk to some people and say, how are you doing? And they say, well, pretty good under the circumstances. You need to tell them, get out from under there, amen. (laughs) You're supposed to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. We're supposed to be rejoicing in the midst of problems. There is not an excuse. There are reasons that we have problems. I'm not condemning any person and I'm not saying that we live in a perfect world and that everything's just gonna work out rosy. But I am saying that God did not make you for failure. If you have failed, if you're experiencing problems, God loves you, but he doesn't want you to live there. God wants you to win. God created you to be a winner. You're a winner. A friend of mine says, he says, man, you're a winner from birth. There was a million different sperms competing for that egg cell and you won. Amen. <laughs> you're a winner from the very beginning. And I'm, I know some of you are thinking, well, this gets you excited and it feels good. But you know, practically, unless you do all of these things and do this and this and this, it's not just the way that you think. This is more to it than anything else. I believe it's the number one key. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In my situation, when the Lord spoke this to me, I called my staff together. And I told him, I said, look, I don't know how long it takes to change the image on the inside, but I have limited God. I've not seen myself doing what God has told me. And I was even telling some people what God had spoken to me, but I couldn't see it. I was limiting God. And I said, I don't know how long it takes to change this image on the inside. It It may take a week, a month, a year, 10 years. I don't know. But I said, I will change. I will do what God called me to do. And I told my staff that. And I didn't have a clue how long it would take. But did you know within one week, my whole life got turned right side up. Within one week, I'd been trying to go on the second largest television network in the nation for five years. Or no, it couldn't have been five years because I'd only been on the television for two years. So it was about two years and I had, I had been on this network. I was friends with the people who ran it. I had been on their program over five times. They had get, let me preach for 45 minutes at a time. I was personal friends with them. They loved me. And yet every time I tried to go on their network, they would give us a price that was double their rate card. It's like they didn't want us on there. Our media buyer tried to get on, and it was just, it did not make sense why we couldn't get on the network of people who were personal friends and who were treating us good. And did you know when I made that decision and told my staff, I said, I'm going to change this image on the inside. Within two days, I got a letter, and he said, Why aren't you on our network? He says, I don't know what the problem is, but you plan on starting Monday and we will just work out the details on finances. Do not let that stop you. And within one week, I was on that network and it just increased our television outreach tremendously. Jamie and I had been praying for somebody to help us in the ministry because Jamie was running the ministry as far as all the administrative stuff and she's doing a good job, but it's not her forte and it was growing beyond us. And we needed help. But how do you find somebody with your heart who will let you give everything away? Every person I'd had running our ministry told me, you're crazy. And especially when they saw our finances and how we were struggling, they would say, sell your stuff, quit giving all of this stuff away. And so Jamie just took it over and ran it because she had my heart and we agreed that this is what God told us to do. Within one, I think it was only a couple of days after I called my staff together and said, I'm gonna change this image on the inside. David Hardesty, I called him for a board meeting and had to cancel the board meeting. And he says, oh, I'm glad you called because Gail and I have decided we're gonna take early retirement from Sears. He taught in Sears University. He had been trained by Sears for 37 years and yet had been on my board and had my heart. And he says, we're going to take early retirement and come out and take your ministry to the next level. And I just, my chin nearly hit the table. I wouldn't have believed that somebody with David's background and stuff would leave it to come for us at that time. At that time, our income was pitiful and our ministry was small. And yet he took early retirement and God, I mean, I made a decision and instantly my television outreach tripled The people that we needed, God started adding it to us. Larry Bozeman here has administrated three hospitals and gave all that up to come to school and now works for us. And he's just a quality guy. Larry Hodge had thousands of people working under him. God is just bringing me these people that have done things that are so far beyond my experience. I couldn't do what I'm doing without them. And I mean, it was just hours of me saying, I'm going to take the limits off of God and everything happened. And it took me two months to send a letter out to my partners and let them know about what God had spoken to me. And then another month for people to respond. And yet, so that was about two to three months before anybody heard from me about what God said. And yet instantly, within a week, our income began to double Nobody knew anything. I didn't tell them. They didn't respond to me. But there is something that happens in the spiritual realm. I don't know how to explain this, but I'm telling you the way you think in your heart controls things in an unseen realm and how things work. If you think you're cursed, you know, there's a scripture that talks about Paul said, we are a sweet savor to those who believe and to God. Now this is, it could be totally an analogy that he's using. I don't know if there is really such a thing as a smell in the spiritual realm, but for the sake of analogy, you are putting out a fragrance that either attracts good things and draws all of the angelic beings and all of the good things, or some of you are just like poop that will draw every vile thing, every fly, every maggot, around to you. I mean, all of the demons in the county are drawn to you because your attitude stinks. I believe that's where we got that phrase from is that your attitude stinks because it, it draws stuff. And some of you draw problems to yourself. You're a grapper, and you're a complainer and you're negative and you do not believe in the positive things. And it just draws demonic stuff to you. But when you go to believing God, I guarantee you it does something in the spiritual realm and it releases things. You've got to see God's purpose for your life and take the limits off and go to believing that God has something more for you than what you've experienced. Let me just real quickly, I'm gonna end with this, but I wrote down some of the stats because when I taught on this 10 years ago, I was telling people that this was big. And this is going to make a difference. I told people, I remember saying this, hide and watch. Well, here's what happened. In 2001, the Lord spoke to me January the 31st, 2002. So the previous year, here were our stats. Total calls for the ministry in 2001 were 24,305 calls. In uh, 2011, our calls were 367,347 calls, 15.11 times as much people calling us through our phone center as what we had. Our total contacts in 2001 were 66,490. In 2011, 594,522. That's awesome. Did you know we now have over 1.1 million people a month come on our website and none of that's included in these statistics. We have, what does that translate to? Thirty-eight, thirty-nine thousand visits every day of the week, 24 seven. On our website, none of that's included in here. That's awesome. We had 30 employees in 2001. Now we have 230 Plus, we don't even know how many. I mean, I don't. Somebody does, but we got over 230 employees now, and I don't know if those stats do anything for you. But I tell you what, that is phenomenal. And again, I, I just don't have the words to explain. Some of you, you live in a different world than what I'm talking about right here, and this may not ring your bell. But this is as rare as hens' teeth. we've been going through a quote unquote recession. And yet God is just multiplying us every direction that we turn. And it all started January the 31st, 2002, when God told me you are limiting me by your small thinking. And I'm going to talk about some other things, but it was also because I didn't feel worthy of being a, in a position of leadership like that. I had to change the image of myself and what God could do with me. I'm going to talk about all of these things. But when I changed my thinking and I started believing differently, I've seen the supernatural power of God. And brothers and sisters, there are many of you in this room that are sitting there thinking, I would like to see something like that happen. I'd like to see God just, you know pour out such a blessing that I don't even have room enough to receive it. Many of you want this, but in your own mind, you're rejecting what I'm saying is the thing that caused it. I'm 10 years away from this. It's not like this is an emotional thing and I'm guessing at this. I'm giving you stats. I'm telling you exactly why this happened. And I'm telling you that any person in here could begin to see God start multiplying you, increasing your effectiveness, doing things in your life. Your life could transform and it doesn't have to take 10 years. It could start within a week or two. If you got your thinking straight, it may take a while for the full manifestation to come. I'm still, a lot of the things God's doing in my life are still five or 10 years off. But you know what? I hadn't arrived, but I've left I'm on my way. And there's some of you that hadn't left. There's some of you that are stuck. There's some of you that want things to be different, but you know what? If you don't change the way you're thinking, you're going to be back next year in the exact same spot praying and asking God to do something. But it's not God who's limiting Himself, it's you that's limiting Him by your stinking thinking. And you're gonna have to change the way you think. You're gonna have to quit comparing yourselves among yourselves and measuring yourselves by other people. And you're gonna have to start studying the word and find people in here who did the extraordinary and say, God's no respecter of persons. If he did that for that person, he'll do it for me. And you're gonna to have to start letting the Word of God challenge you and the Holy Spirit speak through you and paint a picture of who you are supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm telling you, bro, it just it breaks my heart in a way to talk to some of the people that come to these meetings, and their life is just pitiful. And they're acting like i I just can't do anything. I'm so helpless. God didn't make a single one of you helpless. You have the power and the authority of God on the inside of you. And if your life is all messed up, it's because somewhere Satan has had a dominance in your life that God does not want him to have. And you've allowed that. Or sometimes it's other people. You can't control every other person and what happens to everybody else. But if you can be going through a fire, but if that fire has gotten on the inside of you, you allowed it. You can walk through a fire, but you won't have the smell of smoke. You won't be burnt if you keep your eyes on the Lord. I'm not saying you won't have problems, but I'm saying you'll be winning and you'll be overcoming those and you'll have a testimony about how the faithfulness of God has brought you through all of it and how you're winning. And if that's not your experience, then instead of praying that God change everybody else or God just rains a miracle down out of heaven, you need to let it come up out of the midst of you. You need to start taking the limits off God, not comparing yourself to other people. We have a testimony of Connie Wisecoff. I've put her on our television, I think twice in the month of December. And some of you might remember, but she's the woman who was healed of cancer and she now runs a pregnancy center. She used to use abortion as a method of birth control and had many abortions. And anyway, God just supernaturally healed her And when Connie got sick, her family and friends and everybody says, you need to find out everything you can about cancer. Go on the internet, study books, start researching it and find this out. And the Lord spoke to her and said, no, Connie, find out everything you can about healing and what I've done. Don't focus on cancer. But you know, this is what most people do. When you get into problems, you start focusing on all of the problems. You start reading all of the stuff by the people who don't even know God. And they're gonna tell you about how that 99% of people that have what you have die. And you're gonna do all of this. And you know what that does? It limits what God can do. You ought to be reading the word of God where all things are possible to him that believes. You ought to be putting those scriptures up on your uh, mirrors and on every place and you ought to be speaking the word of God to yourself. But most of us are limiting God by being so plugged into this world and comparing ourselves to what is going on in everybody else's life. There ought to be a difference between you and a person that doesn't know God. You're alive and they're dead. There ought to be a difference between a corpse and a person who's alive. And yet there are some of you that are as sick as your neighbors, as poor as your neighbors, as depressed as your neighbors, as negative as your neighbors, and they don't even know God. And you're born again. And nobody, if you were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict you. (laughs) There ought to be a difference. I'm not saying any of these things to condemn you, but I am trying to stir you up and motivate you. If I don't stir you up, you're going to sink to the bottom. So, I'm trying to stir you up and let you realize that, man, God made you for more than miserable. God made you for more than average. If you're average, that means you aren't good or bad. You're lukewarm. Man, you ought to go for it. What have you got to lose? Somebody say, Well, I could die. What's wrong with that? We sing songs about when we all get to heaven and then the doctor tells you you're going there and you cry. (laughs) Something's wrong with this picture. You know what? We got nothing to lose. Just go for it. And if you fail, who cares? Man, go to be with Jesus and he'll tell you what you did wrong and it'll be over. But Man, I'd rather go for it and die trusting God than to shoot at nothing and hit it and just play it safe and live your life being miserable and average. God didn't make anybody to be average. He made every one of you to be special in your own unique way, in your own sphere of influence. And God wants to do something that just makes your life awesome. If that's not the way you feel, then you need to take the limits off God. You're limiting God. Amen or oh me. If you can't say amen, you ought to say oh me. If what I say rubs you the wrong way, it's like a cat. You pet it and its hair stands up. The way you solve that is you just turn the cat around and keep petting (laughs) If what I say rubbed you the wrong way, the way to solve it isn't for me to change what I'm saying. It's you repent, turn around, and this will go to feeling good. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. All of this is introduction tonight, but I encourage you to come back because I believe that God is going to stir you up. This could be a life-changing weekend for you. It could literally change your life. My life just transformed 10 years ago this month through the things that God spoke to me. It'll work for any one of you, any one of you, but you've got to receive it. Amen. Amen. Let me ask tonight that the very first thing that every person in here needs to do is you need to be in right relationship with God. You must be born again. If you have never made Jesus your Lord, I can guarantee you that you are limiting God. There is no reason that God wants to show you his purpose for your life and open up the doors if you're going to just die and go to hell. He is putting all of his energy into bringing you into personal relationship with him. That is the very first thing that every person needs. If you don't know Jesus personally, you need to be born again. And then if you've been born again, He told His disciples not to tell anybody about the resurrection. Don't do anything until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And He said when you do that, power is going to come into your life. And what I'm describing is beyond your ability. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish this. And there's a vast number of Christians today who think that when you get born again, that you get all of the Holy Spirit that there is to get. And they don't understand. But Jesus, His disciples were already filled with the Holy Spirit and yet they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And these people who were afraid and denied that they ever knew Jesus all of a sudden became bold and powerful and began to start seeing miracles happen. Jesus said, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you may have been told that you don't need this gift of speaking in tongues, but you do. Some of you are, you're surprised to find out I speak in tongues because I'm not like the other uh, tongue talkers on television. I don't spit and have a a handkerchief wiping my fevered brow and saying glory to God. And because I don't do that, you didn't think I was Pentecostal. But man, I speak in tongues. It changed my life. I can guarantee you if you don't speak in tongues, you need to. Somebody's saying, so you're saying, I have to have that to be saved, go to heaven. No, you can be saved and not have the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. You can even get to heaven quicker without the Holy Spirit. Because you aren't going to have any power in you. You aren't going to be able to overcome sickness. You'll die of something early. I'm not saying you have to have the Holy Spirit. You get to have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I could preach for hours on the benefit of speaking in tongues. If you don't have it, just take my word for it, it's good. It's from God. It'll change your life, it'll do more to change you than anything else. Those two things, salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are absolute essentials. So if you don't have those two things, we want to pray with you and make sure that you at least receive those. And then you can take these other things I've said and start going on with that. But you must be born again. And you must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues if you are really going to reach your full potential. Is there anybody in here tonight who would say, I need one or both of those. I either need to be born again or I need this baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray with you. Praise God there's people all over this auditorium. I know some of you are thinking, what are you going to do? We're going to pray for you and I'm going to give you a free book. That's it. I don't have a church for you to join. I'm not going to ask you for anything. I'm going to give you a free book. Some of you are thinking about, well, they don't believe that stuff in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. But we believe it. Pastor Tom and Maureen believe it. Lots of other ministers in this area believe it. You know what? It's the truth. And I encourage you that whether this is strange to you or not, don't hold back. If you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you, I'm telling you, none of the things that God has been doing in my life would have happened without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you should be down here. So if you raised your hand, or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and let us pray with you and help you to receive?